0: Good morning, so good to be with you this morning. Uh, Vicky and I are happy to be here today. and um, It's a good time of the year for us to think about Thanksgiving and what we're going to be doing. I simply want to raise a question this morning. Uh, do you believe in the power of one person to make a difference? And if you look across uh, the world in which we live, um, in every era of history... Every vocational position, profession, every category of business, every region of life, you'll find people who rise to the top who make a difference. And some of these difference makers are uh, in positions of strong leadership. Some, however, serve in relative obscurity. Some we know their names. some we never do really know who they are. Some of them we put in the category of the rich and famous. They're well-known, but there's are scores of people who rise to make a difference, who live in the realm of the unknown. Mother Teresa brought hope to the destitute of Calcutta. Martin Luther King brought focus to civil rights. Jonathan Edwards brought a great awakening to New England. George Washington brought freedom to America. Abraham Lincoln brought emancipation to the slaves. And let's not forget those scattered through the pages of Scripture. Abraham fathered a nation. Moses delivered a people in captivity. David killed a giant. Elijah stood against false religion. Esther saved a nation. Nehemiah rebuilt a wall. Jesus made eternal life possible. Paul evangelized the world. John saw the revelation. Before our time here this morning, I want us to draw our attention to the case study of Noah. One of the oldest patriarchs in the Bible, but one I believe all of us here this morning can identify with. We find his record in Genesis chapter 6. If you have a copy of God's Word, we'll begin reading in verse 5 of Genesis chapter 6. The first few verses will be on the screen. And if you would keep your Bible open because we'll return and, and look at some other scripture out of the uh, chapters there that introduce us to the life of one who made a difference. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 the bible says that when the lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme in the mind thought in his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time the lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart then the lord said i will wipe off the face of the earth man whom i created together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. Noah, however, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah. Walked with God. Now we'll pause there for a minute. Come back to the text in a moment. A long time ago I memorized a poem that has challenged me as much as anything else I've ever read. I'm only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. Just because I cannot do everything, I will not fail to do the something I can do. You see, more importantly than the question, do you believe in the power of one person to make a difference? Here's the issue. Do you believe you are the person who can make a difference? Do you believe that you have the power of one. It's very clear from this early text in God's Word that Noah purposed in his heart to make a difference and he proved that one person can make a difference in three areas. All of us can identify in these three areas. First of all, you can make a difference in your family. Family. We read a moment ago, verse 9 of chapter 6, Genesis, which simply says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his contemporaries, and he walked with God. That one statement defined what Noah did next. In Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament, the Bible says by faith Noah, after being warned about what was not yet seen in reverence, built an ark to deliver his family. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah built the ark and saved his family as a result of his righteousness, his faithfulness, and his commitment. What is God able to accomplish through one man who determines to be righteous, faithful, and committed? My father is the youngest of six children. When my dad was age two... His father, my grandfather, abandoned their family, divorced his wife, my grandmother, to marry another person. Now that was 82 years ago because we'll celebrate dad's 84th birthday, Thanksgiving Day. Unheard of in that generation, more common today for a a man to forsake his vows and abandon his family. But not so back then. There were six years difference between my father and his next oldest brother. So when his next oldest brother left to join the Navy, my dad became the man of the house at age 12. Because my grandmother, his mother, never remarried. She only had a third grade education, so she could not find uh, meaningful work. And so from the time my dad was age 12, he was the breadwinner of the family. Every afternoon after school, Saturdays and Sundays, at least half a day he was working somewhere, not for pocket change, but to put food on the table and so he and my grandmother could survive. No time to go to church. My grandmother was a devout Catholic, but Dad never really was introduced to Jesus Christ. Dad never understood what a relationship with Christ looked like until he started dating a girl in high school that would become my mother. She was a devout Christian, a believer, a follower of Christ, she just happened to be a Baptist. And he began to court her. And of course, the only time he could court her was on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening when he wasn't working. And yet, when it came time to go to Sunday night church, he had a dilemma because it was either go to church with her because that's the only way that my grandparents would have it. You go to church with us, young man. So my dad would sit on the back row of a little Baptist church to hold hands with his girlfriend. And he began to hear the gospel for the first time. So that when he graduated from high school and joined the Air Force, he began to go to chapel in the Air Force, and an Air Force chaplain led him to a faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. My dad became born again, converted my mother graduated from high school a year or two later, joined him. They got married, and, and they became a Christian family, a Christian couple. They came home from the Air Force, and I was born two years later. My dad didn't tell me what I'm about to tell you until I was 21 years old. But he told me about how when they brought me home from the hospital... I was a miracle child because I nearly died at birth. That's a whole other story. He said he held me in his arms. And he said for the first time in my life, I didn't know what to do with what I held in my hands. Because I had not had a father. I grew up without a father. I didn't know how to be a father. I suddenly realized if I'm going to be a father to this boy, God, you're going to have to help me. He said, but right there that day I made some vows. I made some promises to God. He said, I vowed that not only would my son grow up knowing what a real devout godly man looked like. But I would stay devoted to my family. My parents were married for 56 years. He said, not only that, but I determined that I was not, uh, that my children were going to grow up to know God and to know what it meant to be a Christian family and worship together and go to church together. So they did. I never knew in a time in my life when I was not involved in church in some way. Small church, 35 to 40 on a good Sunday. My dad's one of the deacons. I went to, I've been in church all my life, ladies and gentlemen. And I owe it to my parents, certainly I owe it to the Lord, but in due respect to my parents, but in special respect to my father, that I am in vocational ministry today. Because not only did I have a Christian father, but I had a father who kept his promises. Kept his promises to his family. Made a difference in my life. Made a difference in my sister's life. We both became believers, Christians, followers of Christ. I've been in vocational ministry now about 40 years. My sister married a minister. Together, our five children, his grandchildren, are all adults, believers, followers of Jesus Christ today. My six grandchildren, his six great-grandchildren, I've had the privilege of baptizing two of them. What started with one man who decided he was going to make a difference in his family has now moved into the fourth generation. So what about you? What kind of difference are you making in your family? How much of a difference does one man make to a lifetime around him, one husband to a wife, one father, to a family? How much of a difference are you making in your family? You see, here's the deal. And some of us in here are getting closer than we've ever been to this day. One day our family is going to gather around our casket at our funeral. What do you want them to be talking about? I've probably done several, I know I've done several hundred funerals. I used to count and used to know how many I'd done. I lost count some time back because I'd done so many as being a pastor and so forth. I used to stand off to the side as families would gather one last time around the casket say goodbye to their loved one and I'd sort of eavesdrop on the conversation around the casket you know what I do one day you're going to be there and your family's going to gather around you how do you want them to talk about the difference you've made in your family one man, one woman one couple can make a difference in the family there's another area where you can make a difference and that is for future generations and Noah's obedience to what God told him to do preserved life for future generations let's remind ourselves of how it unfolds in the scripture we left off they're reading in Genesis chapter 6. Let's begin at verse 11. If you have a copy of God's Word, now the, Lord, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for all flesh had corrupted its way on the earth. And then God said to Noah, <clears throat> I have decided to put an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Therefore I am going... To destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and covered with pitch inside and outside. This is how you are to make it. The ark will be four hundred and fifty feet long, seventy-five feet wide, forty-five feet high. You're to make it you're you're to make a roof, finishing the sides of the ark to within eighteen inches of the roof. You're to put a door in the side of the ark, make it lower, middle, and upper decks. Understand I'm bringing a deluge, floodwaters on the earth to destroy all flesh under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on the earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you, Noah, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. You're also to bring into the ark two of every living thing of all flesh, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of everything, from the birds according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds and from every animal that crawls on the ground according to its kind will come to you so that you can keep them alive. Take with you every kind of food that is eaten. Gather it as food for you and for them. And Noah did this. He did everything, everything God had commanded him chapter 7 verse 1 then the Lord said to Noah enter the ark you and all your household for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation Noah not only made a difference for his family but his obedience to God made a difference for future generations and that's us Do you realize we're here today because of Noah's faithfulness? We're the recipients of how one person can make a difference for future generations. As I study leadership, one of the areas I teach at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary is leadership. I've sort of concluded as I try to study the lives of leaders and what leadership looks like, especially in church life, especially in denominational life, I've, I've concluded that there are two words that define difference makers. The first is the word focus. How do you keep going when something is taking so long? It's amazing when you think that Noah and his ark building project lasted 100 years. I'm convinced if God would have told him in the beginning it would take that long to to build the ark, he never would have gotten started. So how is it that you keep doing something for 365 days... For a hundred years. That's 36,500 days. You got to focus. You got to realize what you're doing. is something you're committed to. You've got to realize like Noah. That you are doing something that will make a difference. Not just for your family, but for future generations. Because the instructions God gave him here was to save and salvage a remnant, not only of human beings, but of everything God created on the earth for future generations. you got to focus. And you got to focus on those things that will make a difference. Most of us are so busy doing so many things, we fail to focus on the few things that might make a difference. If you're like me, you, you, you probably would do better if you did less so that you could focus on what's really going to make a difference. There's a second word that I've discovered defines difference makers, and it's the word action. You got to do something. Noah had no idea that this boat project would take 100 years. He just had to get started. And he had to keep doing it every day. He just had to take the action every day to keep doing it, to keep going, to keep moving forward. Now, it's already been mentioned here this morning in your prayer time that uh, you are entering, uh, have just entered a a time of pastoral transition. Some of you have been through this before. Some of you, it may be your first time to go through something like this, but I know from experience, having been interim in 12 different churches thereabouts, uh, kind of lose count of those too, but this is one of the most vulnerable times for a church is when they're in between pastors. I'll tell you why. Because it's real easy for people in the congregation to sort of sit back, step back and hide a little bit during the transition, you know. And and, uh, I've seen churches literally go backward instead of forward during a time of pastoral transition. But you know what'll cure that here? Is that every one of you decide it's not gonna happen. You're gonna take personal action about that. You're gonna step up. You're, You're going to... To do more than you've ever done. You're going to serve more passionately than you've ever served. You're going to be more committed than you've ever been. Right now. During these days of pastoral transition. So that when your new pastor comes. He doesn't come to a church going backward. He's coming to a church moving forward. And you know how that's going to happen? It's going to happen if every one of you decide to step up. And take some action. John Maxwell says that the greatest gap in life is the one between I should and I did. We call that procrastination and all of us are guilty. Are you willing to make a difference for future generations by doing what needs to be done now? Finally, let me suggest that you can make a difference not only for your family and for future generations, but you can make a difference at any age. Genesis 7 verse 6 is an amazing Bible verse. It simply says Noah was 600 years old when the ark was finished. What seems to be your problem? I don't see anybody here going to live to be 600. Most of us in this room are not going to live to be 100. In fact, if you live to be 100, you'll be famous in your community because not many make it to 100 or live past 100. Here's what that means, ladies and gentlemen. That means that whatever age you are right now, you are still young enough to make a difference. Harlan Sanders was 65 when he started making Kentucky Fried Chicken. Bill Gates was 19 when he started designing Microsoft computer software in his garage. In the eyes of God, no one is too old or too young to make a difference. Abraham was 100 years old when he relocated his family on a journey to become the father of Israel. David was just a teenager when he stood against the giant Goliath. You can make a difference at any age. If Noah could speak to us today, I, I think he would tell us two things. I, I think he would say, first of all, to all of us here today, don't be afraid to obey God and to follow his will and do what he tells you to do, even if nobody else is doing it. Don't be afraid to obey God. Noah stood with God when no one else would. In fact, the Bible says he was blameless before God and when God gave him the instructions to build the ark, did you catch what he said? You are the only righteous man that I can find to do this job. And Noah obeyed the Lord. There was not a body of water in sight to float that boat. In fact... It had not rained a flood in the history of the world. He was building something for something that had not ever yet been seen. And yet he obeyed the Lord in spite of what a fool they thought he was. His faithfulness saved his life and the life of his family. Because you see difference makers are different. Sometimes you stand out from the crowd. Sometimes you do what nobody else is doing if you're following the Lord. If Noah could speak today, I think he would say, don't be afraid to do something for the first time. Noah built a boat when there was no earthly reason to build a boat. In fact, Noah, as far as we know, was the first person on earth to build an ark. Nobody had ever built one. There wasn't a blueprint for it. There wasn't a pattern for it. God gave him the blueprint. When's the last time you did something for the first time? If you've never intentionally influenced another person with a view of leading them to a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never done that, You need to do it for the first time. If you've never encouraged a young person, picked out a young person who needs encouragement, who needs mentoring, who needs some direction in life, maybe you could be a sort sort of a surrogate grandparent to some child who seems a little lost, a little wavered. If you've never done that, you need to do it for the first time. If you've never really been involved in a ministry... You need to do it for the first time. If you've never taken time to figure out who you are, your significance before the God of heaven, and why God created you and left you here on planet earth, what's your purpose in life, you need to get along with God and figure that out for the first time. If you've never reached out to a lonely senior adult, maybe someone who has... No biological family anywhere around. And you can be that senior adult's family. If you've never done that, you need to do it for the first time. It's never too early and it's never too late to make a difference. I want to leave you with a closing question. First of all, two thoughts before the question. number one every time you see a rainbow remember that one person can make a difference that's what the rainbow is to remind you of and every time you think your life is insignificant remember that one plus God always equals a majority then here's the question what if the power of one became the power of many and the power of many became the power of one? See, I look around this room today and I see a pretty good number of ones. What if every one of us here today resolved and decided we were going to make a difference? Leave here we're going to be difference makers. No matter what age we are, we're going to be difference makers. And and the power of all of our ones together could become the power of many. That's called a congregation. That's called the family of God. That's called the body of Christ. Wow, think of that. And then think of the power of many becoming the power of one. That is... What kind of difference can one church make? Can one group of people make who come together and decide we are going to be a difference-making church? It's incredible when you think about it. And God has so put within us His Spirit that within each one of us is the power of one. One. Would you bow with me for a moment of prayer? In fact, as you bow your heads, would you just quietly stand to your feet? We're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to ask the Lord to speak to us a moment. Surely God has been speaking to you. Every time God's Word is opened and God's truth is proclaimed, it's God speaking to all of us here. how has God spoken to you this morning? In just a moment we're going to pray and we're going to sing a song of response and you may want to just come and stand or kneel here and and just pray and and ask the Lord to give you the the strength the, the wisdom to be the power of one. Perhaps you have a decision though, a public decision you're ready to make. Maybe you want one of us to pray with you about rededicating your life or becoming a part of this church. Maybe there's a person here today who's never come to faith in Christ. We just want to have this time of response to allow you to respond to how God's speaking to you. And so, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we're not here today by accident. We're here today by your providence. And this word from you has been Engraved in our hearts, engraved in our minds, and now we must leave here and do something with what we've heard. So thank you for drawing those who need to respond. May their response be to your good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing now, turn your eyes upon Jesus, and as we sing, you come if you need to come.